So please stand as you're able. And when I'm done reading, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and we'll respond together. Thanks be to God. Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you all. Now, we are, we are coming to the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians here. And the text we're going to look at this morning, we, we started looking at this section last week, and I told you we'd finish this morning. We, we hold it off. Um, and what I, I want to show you in the text this morning is that a life dedicated to the service of others is the calling of every Christian. A life that is dedicated to loving service of others is the calling of absolutely every Christian. As Paul has come to the end of his his letter, again, he's considered theological concerns regarding the nature of the true gospel for a large portion of Galatians. Then he's turned his attention to to ethical concerns, practical concerns. How are we as Christians to live towards one another? And the text this morning, verse 10, is really a a summary of his ethical teaching in the letter so far. Uh, Next Sunday, our brother, uh, Pastor Carroll, is going to to preach um, another call to prayer, if all goes according to plan. And, uh, and then the following Sunday, we'll return to Galatians and we'll finish the letter Sunday after next. We'll look at verses 11 through 18 and Paul's summary of the, of the whole letter and what he's been saying. But this morning, verse 10 is really a sort of a mini summary of this section that he's been talking, addressing uh, their relationships with one another and how they're to live towards one another. And I want us to look at this, uh, consider some of the things that we've been uh, studying for the last few months as we've looked at Paul's ethical instruction, and then to, to use that, this summary as sort of a lens to examine ourselves. Are we living as Paul says the people of God ought to live? Uh, we'll, we'll look at this summary instruction that he gives, how we're to live towards one another, and then there are three specific qualities that I want to identify, and that'll be sort of an outline for us this morning. So the text says this, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let us do good to everyone. Now, when those words, so then, what's translated so then in our English here, uh, indicates that that Paul is is coming to a, a conclusion. He's coming to summarize the point that he's been making. And I, I think the section that he's summarizing really begins um, back in verse 13 of chapter 5. This is when Paul had begun to turn his attention from the, the nature of the freedom that we have in Christ to the use of freedom 
You look at chapter 5, verse 13, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now having said that, Paul went on to talk about the walking with the Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, bearing burdens together, and now he comes back around and says, so then. As you have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially to those that are of the household of faith. What he means by do good, it sounds very, very generic in the English to say, you know, do, do good to people. Be a do-gooder. But in the context here, it is very much what he's been discussing that he's referring to, all the way back to his, his beginning statement in verse 13, through love you're to serve one another. That's how we're to understand what he means by do good. Through love, serve. It looks like bearing the fruit of the Spirit. That looks like bearing one another's burdens. We who have been set free by the gospel are to use our freedom to serve one another. We've been set free in a profound way by the gospel. We've been set free from death, from condemnation under sin, from judgment. We've been set free from the labor of justifying oneself. We've been set free from the law and its demands, as Paul has gone into great detail in Galatians and considered together. We have been given an inheritance that is far beyond what could have been imagined or deserved, and we've been given it freely in Christ. And that inheritance that we've received has, has set us free in a profound way. And how is that freedom to be used? How are we who have every good thing in Christ, who, who need earn nothing because there is nothing left to be earned because Christ has given it all, who labor under the burden of no condemnation and sin because Christ has paid for it all, how are we to respond and walk in this freedom? Well, we're to use, it, to use it to do good, to serve and love others. That's the principle here. Having received all and needing nothing, we are free now to serve one another, to bless and to seek the good of others. You might illustrate it this way. You know, when, when a man retires from his labor, when he retires from his vocation, from his work, how does he use his freedom? Let's say you're free from having to work a nine-to-five job. You're free from having to, to get these, uh, these bills, uh, to make money to pay these bills. You have this, this freedom in your life now in retirement. How do you use that freedom? And you can use that freedom to serve yourself. You can use that freedom to in, enjoy this, enjoy that, to make it all about you and what you've wanted to do. Or you can use that freedom and... I think many of you, you brothers in the congregation, I've seen you use the freedom that you have to bless others. You don't have to go clock in at work. But you don't just sit on the couch and watch television all day. You work, but you work in your freedom for the blessing and the benefit of others. That's the point that Paul's making here. Christians, you've been set free. You've entered the rest that Christ has purchased, Hebrews chapter 4 says. You're fully supplied. There's nothing left for you to earn. So what do you do now? 
We use that to serve. Now, I think it's worth asking ourselves a question here as Paul is summarizing what the Christian life looks like. Do we, as Christians, see ourselves that way? Brothers and sisters, do, do you see yourself as someone who has been freed by the gospel? Freed from the burden of sin? No need to atone for your own sins, there could never be. And also, freed from the burden of earning God's pleasure because He has given it so freely to you. There's nothing, as I said, there's nothing left to earn. We've been given everything. There's nothing left for us to gain when Christ has given Himself to us. Do you see yourself as free in that way? Freed by the gospel, fully supplied, and for that reason, uniquely able to be a blessing and service to others. I mean, really, if the gospel is true, and this inheritance really is ours, our cup is full. Our cup is overflowing. Our blessing overflows, and so we are able to dedicate ourselves to the blessing of others in a, in a real way, a practical way. I, I, it's worth pointing out, I think, because we can forget this sometimes. We can begin to think of ourselves as Christians, we can begin to think of ourselves only as, as individual believers, as worshipers, as stewards and guardians of the truth, and that really is all. And friends, we are stewards of the truth. The church is, as Paul says in 1 Timothy, a pillar and buttress of the truth, but we are more than just stewards and guardians. We are servants along with our Lord Jesus. We're to be servants like him. You remember his words to his disciples in John chapter 13 as he was washing their feet. Now you go do likewise for one another. This is how the world will know that you're my disciples, when you serve the way that I serve. I'm sending you to be salt in the earth. He tells the crowds there at the Sermon on the Mount. And friends, you know very well, the church has long been marked by this, by a, a willingness to serve, a willingness to do good. From the very beginning of the church, taking in orphans, caring for those uh, who were sick with the plague, doing good to all, loving and service with the freedom that we have in Christ. It's been a profound blessing. I think that we should be careful uh, here in the, the, the church within the Reformed tradition, there is sometimes a danger that we might do, you may have heard it put this way, we might just sit and soak and sour. Have you heard that? Just sit in the pews, listen, soak it all up, and then just sit and let it sour. There is a danger that way. Friends, we are to be active in the service of our Lord. We are not called simply to observe. We are not called simply to be listeners of sermons. We're not called simply to be attenders of meetings or even just believers in our own life. We're called to be active. We must be active. We must really be salty salt. We must really be a bright light. We must be engaged in this way, even as we hold fast to the Word of God. 
it's very easy for us sometimes to get in a defensive mode, isn't it? The world can be a scary place. The temptation can be to withdraw. But friends, we are to do good to all because we are free to do so. There is no threat for us out there. Now, I want us to look at three distinct qualities that Paul mentions in our doing good, our loving service to others, so that we can understand more of what he has in mind. The first thing that I want to point out to you is that the, the doing good he's speaking of is in one sense universal. He says we're to do good let us do good to everyone. The, the recipients of the blessing that we pour out as Christians, the service that we do in love, is without discrimination in that sense. It is not merely our, our families, our friends, our church family, uh, but it is all. Uh, you remember when, when the man asked the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 10, you know, who is my neighbor that I'm to do this uh, that I'm to love and serve, and Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan and makes it very clear, you are to be the one who is a good neighbor. And whoever it is that you come across is to be the recipient of your neighborliness. You're not to be discriminating in that way. And of course, friends, there is a theological reality that, that underpins that sort of understanding of our, of our service. All human beings are made in the image of God. Everyone, even those that hate him and rebel against him. The image of God is twisted and marred in us and fall. But by the grace of God, it is not utterly destroyed. And so all of those walking around the Roanoke Valley this morning, whether they're in the church or not, are made in the image of God. And all of those that we interact with are made in the image of God. The person last week who cut you off on 581 and then drove five miles per hour under the speed limit. That person's made in the image of God with an eternal soul. Now, that person's a sinner. I'm not necessarily referring to how they drive, but that person, you, you understand what I'm saying? We, because of the Scriptures, we have this lens with which we can look and see and understand who people really are. Eternal souls made for God, warped and twisted by the fall, and in needing of redemption, in needing of repentance, in needing of forgiveness, in needing of the blessing of the gospel and the mercy of God's people. There are many at this time who will behave as enemies of the church and the gospel, as there have always been. But we do not have enemies like that, because our battle is not with flesh and blood, as Paul says. We are to do good even to our enemies. You remember, the Lord Jesus is very clear about that in Matthew chapter 5. So again, friends, do you see the world as to be served or to be avoided? I think that's a significant question for us. We are to be separate from the world. We are to, to not be worldly in that way. We're not to be wrapped up in the thinking and the behavior of the world. But we are to serve the world and everyone. It is a temptation sometimes to think that we need to, to avoid people, to, to be hidden away. And, th and that temptation gets all the stronger as, as persecution and trouble becomes more and more our experience in this time. 
Do we despise and fear the world? Or are we seeking to be salt and light to the world? Carl Henry, the theologian, is quoted as saying that in our time, far too often we say, look what the world is coming to. When you find the apostles in the early church saying, look what has come into the world. It's a subtle difference, but a significant one, isn't it? The world is a scary place. But if we believe the gospel, if we believe the scriptures are true, has not Christ overcome the world? Did he not say in John 16, take heart. In the world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. In 1 John chapter 4, we read that he he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. In that way, we have freedom to bless even those that would not be a blessing to us. We have the freedom, friends, to exercise the grace that we've received in demonstrating the fruit of spirit, the fruit of the spirit to all, to love those who would not in turn love us, to make peace with those who are not making peace with us, to be kind to those who are not kind to us, to be tenderhearted, to be patient with those who are irritable. And listen, I think probably some of you have had this experience and everybody here can imagine what it's like in the world to, to have a supervisor or to have an employee or a coworker or a neighbor who is actively bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, some of you can imagine what it's like because you've had the exact opposite. You've had a supervisor in the workplace from whom you received no love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. You know what a blessing it can be to have somebody there who'll just tell you the truth. Somebody who'll just treat you honestly. Somebody who'll treat you fairly. To have somebody who is seeking to be a blessing to you. That's the kind of freedom that we have as Christians. Not to be scrambling for ourselves all the time because I don't need anything. I've been provided in Christ. Not to be seeing people as as threats to me or assets to be used or manipulated, but to see them as they really are. There's no threat for me. And I need nothing. I am free. And that person is uniquely equipped to be a blessing to those around them. You remember in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul talks about the one who is a thief. Let the one who is a thief now work so that he can give. The gospel has made him a blessing. He used to be somebody who was pinching people's pockets and taking things from them. But now, he has been renewed in Christ. And how does he use his freedom? Well, he works so that he can be a blessing to others around him. That is part of our calling as Christians, friends. That is not a secondary thing. That's significant. And it makes a big difference. I'll I'll tell you all, this last week I spent uh, a couple days at Boy Scout camp with our Boy Scout troop. And it struck me at one moment, I was, I was coming to relieve one of the brothers who'd spent the night before, and then one of the brothers came next to relieve me, and there was another gentleman that was there. And of these brothers that I was interacting with, I was the only one that had kids in the troop. These other guys were there just to be a blessing. They had the freedom in their lives to do so. And they were there freely doing so. I had a call from somebody in the church a couple weeks ago. Um, Some members of this congregation, they had a a neighbor, they have a relationship, and that neighbor was in a a desperate place financially. 
and that that person had had asked them for help, and this uh, this sister called me and asked me for advice. How how can I go about helping these people in such a way that'll be the most blessing to them? Give me some wisdom in how we can care for them. This is the kind of thing that we're called to as Christians and being a blessing to all. Now, as we think about that, I think it's important that we acknowledge that the the most significant way that we can be a blessing, that we can in love serve someone outside the church is by telling them the gospel, isn't it? Evangelism is the, the, the most loving act of service that can be performed by us in the church. I think it's helpful that we, that we not forget about that, that we, that we remember that. The most important act of love and service, the most important work that we do for others as we seek to do good to everyone is to carry out that great commission from Matthew chapter 28, that we would take the gospel out. I mean, some of you... Some of you here, imagine what your life would be like if someone had not spoken the gospel to you. Imagine what your marriage would be like. Imagine what your, how your life might have unfolded if the grace of God had not come to your ears. And think about the act of love and mercy it is to tell someone about what Christ has done on the cross. When we do good to everyone, friends, let's not forget that good out there on the table in the foyer next to the sign-up for the, the new members class, there's a sign-up to, to go with Frank Ray and some other folks to the, the Salem Fair. Is it next week, Frank? July. A couple weeks away. Thank you. Uh, and to, to do evangelistic work there at the Salem Fair. Friends, that, that is an act of love if we believe in the gospel. That is not what the world, the world might think it's religious people trying to check a box to get blessings for themselves. It's not that. I don't, what blessing could I, could I earn now when I've received everything from Christ himself? There's nothing to earn. It's an act of love. Loving obedience to our Lord, but also love to those who might hear. So in that sense, we're to serve universally to be a blessing to all because Christ has blessed us so profoundly. But there's also a sense here where our blessing is to be focused. We're to seek to be more focused in how we do good and serve one another in love. Paul says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The priority in our serving and our doing good in love to one another is to be on the church. And those who are Christ's own must have a special place of privilege in our love and service. Now, the, the principle underlying this, while everybody is made in God's image, all created by God with His breath in their lungs, there is a real difference with those who are His trusting in His grace. Those who have have heard the gospel message that Jesus Christ himself died for sinners. That the God whom we offended, as we prayed a few minutes ago, is the very one who came to atone for us. And he will forgive all who come to him. To believe that is not simply to become part of a religious movement or to, to be 
to, to adopt a certain worldview or to engage in a certain lifestyle. It really is to be born again, like the Scriptures say. There is a real spiritual transformation that takes place in the heart when someone believes the gospel and they become truly adopted as a child of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a difference eternally in the age to come, but it's also a real difference right now. It's not just theoretical. It is a new heart and a new mind. They are born again and they are new creatures, and then that way we are a new family together, indwelled by the Spirit even now. If we believe that spiritual reality, that there is a real difference about the church, a fundamental difference about those who trust in Christ. That makes care for the bride of Christ, for the flock of that shepherd, of the utmost importance. The same Lord Jesus who said in Matthew 28, you know, to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth, the same one who told the parable of the good Samaritan that you're to be a brother to all, he sat down with Peter in the last chapter of the gospel of John and said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Take care of those. The Apostle Paul exhorts the elders, uh, the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, that they are to, to look out for, to care for the flock that's been purchased by the blood of Christ. And I'll illustrate it this way. If I go to the park with my children and we're playing on the playground there, there is a sense in which I am ready to do good for any child there at the playground. And that often is the case. You know, there's parents spread out all over the place, and, you know, if somebody falls off the slide because they were doing something foolish or whatever and they start crying, you know, usually the first parent, the nearest parent runs over to try to help. You know, I've done that many times. And some kid gets their head stuck between two bars or whatever, it is, you know, and they're, and they're, they're ah, you know, you, you, try, you try to help them. I want to help them. The good that I want to do is universal in that sense. Oh, but friends, there is a special priority in my care for my own children, though. There is a special priority in the way that I am caring, the good that I want to do, the service that I want to offer as a father there for my own little ones. And that's right. That isn't pitted against the care that I would have for all that are there. But there is an emphasis Friends, I want to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want to, to be a servant to all those around me in whatever context I'm in, in honor to my Lord, because He has given me such good gifts. But there is a special way in which I want to be a blessing to you, who love Him and walk with Him in faith. There's a special emphasis in the way that I want to carry your burdens with you, because we are walking together as the flock of God along this path. Where we talked about a few weeks ago in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, as we strive together side by side for the faith of the gospel, we are walking together towards the kingdom of God with Christ himself, our shepherd. And we're to be looking out for one another, bearing one another's burdens in that way. Even as our love and service is universal, it is also specific and it's focused in the priority of the church. It, is our love that way? Do we prioritize our brothers and sisters in the church and our service? I think it's 
there is an unfortunate trend. It's not a new trend in the church, but sometimes the those of us who, who have a, the most tender heart towards the world and care for those outside of the church can sometimes end up with a hard heart towards those in the church. Those with the, the soft spot for people outside that are suffering can end up having a hard heart and despising the very people in the church. And that is very much out of line with what we see here in the Scriptures. We are not to be holed up and hidden here trying to protect ourselves from the world because we don't care about them. We are to be loving them and serving them. But neither are to be, we, we to be so engaged in looking outward that we ignore our own people and there are people suffering right around us that we do not care about because that's not our priority. As you have opportunity, you're to do good to everyone, especially those that are of the household of faith. I told you I got a call from someone in the church recently just looking for counsel and how to be a blessing to their neighbor who is not a Christian person next door to them. I also was speaking with a brother in the church this last week, and he was telling me privately, he's telling me that, that his family had, had come into a, some financial blessing, and he was looking for opportunities in the church to be a blessing to somebody. He specifically pulled me aside and said, look, if you know of anybody that's in need of help, you let me know. Now, friends, I think that if we're understanding this rightly, if we're understanding our inheritance of grace rightly, then when we receive blessing like that, it's right to think, how can I be a blessing to others? How can I be a blessing especially to God's people in the church? It's not just how can I use this for myself, but oh, how might I further the kingdom of God and bring glory to his name? I who have received everything and my cup's already overflowing, how can I be a blessing with what I've been given? And to be looking first around at the brothers and sisters here who were laboring with arm in arm as we walk the path of discipleship. Now, so our service is universal. Our service is also focused. And then the last thing that Paul says about it is that it is urgent. He says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those that are of the household of faith. I do not think we're to understand Paul's words here as saying, when it's convenient. When the opportunity presents itself, do something good. In the context here, he's been talking about reaping and sowing. He's been talking about you, you, you sow now to the Spirit, and the day will come if you are patient when you will reap. His point is that now is the time to sow. Now is the time of opportunity to do service in this way and to use our resources to be a blessing to one another. The way the Lord Jesus speaks in John chapter 9, he speaks again in John chapter 12, that we labor while it's day now. We have an opportunity now. It's not when it's convenient, but now, while you have the opportunity, do good to everyone and especially those that are of the household of faith. The time is coming for reaping, but right now you can still sow. So sow. You have an opportunity. Just this last, this last week, uh, my, my wife and our, um, most of our children, one, one of our sons was at Boy Scout camp. My wife and the other kids were in Ohio, and I was at home with the dog for a few days. And, uh, and I, as, as I usually do, I, I had a, a to-do list of things that I wanted to get done while they were gone. And as is usually the case, I, I you know, did not get most of those things done, and I procrastinated. Uh, and 
found myself doing other stuff. So then I had this list, and I knew they were coming home like in a few hours. So I was like scrambling to, you know, take the door off the dryer and reverse it, and a bunch, you know, a bunch of little things that I had planned to do while they were gone because my opportunity was going away. You know, these were things that I needed to, I needed to do before they get home, and everybody's running around and screaming and you know that that sort of stuff. So I felt. I felt the pressure of the opportunity being limited. And I think that is what Paul is communicating here. Listen, brothers and sisters, very, very soon the Lord Jesus is going to come in power. Faith is going to be sight. The age is going to be over. We will worship him for all eternity. Everything will be set right. The kingdom will come. It will be on earth as it is in heaven. And while we will have everything and we will be satisfied when we awake and see him and we will become like him, what we will not have at that point is the opportunity to serve in a fallen world for his namesake. There will be no more burdens to bear for our brothers and sisters. There will, there will be no more opportunities for evangelism to preach the gospel and to be a blessing. There will be no more opportunities to serve in love in that way. There will be no more opportunities to bear reproach for his name. That's coming very soon. We don't know how much opportunity we have left. So how do we live in the earth now? Well, while we have this opportunity, we do good to all, especially those that are of the household of faith. While the day lasts, the night is coming. and No one's going to be able to do any labor. The end is coming when there is no more chance. But now while the day lasts, friends, so use the resources you've been given. Use the gifts that you've been given to be a blessing to people, not just the people in the church, blessing to everyone. Oh, but friends, take special care of one another and look after the saints of God in the church. Invest in the ministry of the word and the upbuilding of his people and the maturing of the church. Labor now while you can. In closing, I'll say this. I, I think that the, this way of service that is universal, that is focused, and that is also urgent, I think we see it demonstrated in the Lord Jesus himself, in his earthly ministry. When you see him with compassion on the crowds, even those he knew that would turn away from him. You see him feeding the masses. You see him feeding them because he has compassion on them. You see him seeking an opportunity to pray, but being accosted by needy people and responding to them in compassion. Spending all night healing the sick. Being universal in his service in that way. But you also see him being focused in his service, don't you? You see him pulling his disciples aside and explaining the parables to them directly. You see him taking just a few up on the Mount of Transfiguration. You see him bringing a few with him into Gethsemane. You see, him, you see him giving a special attention to those who were following and of the household of faith. And you see him doing so aware that the time is short, don't you? You see him telling Peter while the crowds are looking for him, no, we, we have to go on to the next city in Mark chapter 1 because the gospel must be preached there also. Time is short. We see these very same characteristics manifest in the life of the Apostle Paul and friends that ought to be manifest in this church. We ought to be a church 
that is zealous to be salty in the world and a blessing to the people around us in every circumstance. At the gas station, in our neighborhood, at our work. We also also ought to be a people that are especially careful to be looking out for one another and caring for one another, recognizing that the gospel does matter. And it makes a difference in people's lives. And we, who were not a family together, we are now. And we're also to be doing doing so with a sense of urgency, recognizing that the time is short. Let the salt be salty now. Let the light really shine now at Grace Church and in our congregation that Christ be glorified. Because we will see Him soon. Now, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper now. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, the loving service that He rendered not just to His friends but to His enemies, He went so far as to die on the cross and He went so far as to die on the cross for us. While he had opportunity, when he came in the flesh, he did good, friends. He did good for us. He purchased the church. And that's what this table is about. With the bread, with the juice, we're going to remember that his body was broken and his blood was poured out for us. I encourage you to receive this with faith. We're going to pray together now, and then our brother Don is going to come and lead us at the table. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the good gift that you've given us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who became our servant. Oh, help us to believe what he has done in order that we might walk as faithful servants with him, in order that we might do good to all, and especially to that beloved bride. Oh, God, have mercy on us. We pray that you would awaken in us a sense of urgency and a zeal for your house. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.